Good evening. Welcome to our Wednesday evening Bible study via Facebook Live um, during this COVID-19 pandemic. We're adding a couple things each time we try this. So the lighting's a little bit better and we're going to get improving the lighting soon. We're trying a different microphone to see if we're able to pick up um, my voice better. But welcome for those of you who are here already and for those of you who are listening to this um, later on, whether it is via the YouTube now or we actually have it on Anchor FM. And um, through that, we're able to put it on Spotify and we're working on getting these up on um, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and the like. So I can see people have joined already, but if you can just make a little note to see if you can hear me. That way I know that this microphone is working um, and it's picking me up because we are trying something different. We keep adding different, we're going to be adding different things every now and then to our setup. By the time uh, we get it done, we might have like graphics down below. No, we're not going to ever get that, um, that fancy. So... All good. Thanks, Danny. You guys can hear me. So we will get started because I don't want to really uh, beat around the bush too much today. I mean, I know everybody's time is precious and we have um, some people who are on um, bandwidth restrictions. So we want to be mindful of that. But this is going to be our Bible study for this evening. Um, I sent an email out to um, the people in the church just updating them on the different things that are going to be happening in the next uh, week or two. But it's just a reminder that now with um, President Trump extending the recommendations for social distancing and to slow the curve of this um, COVID-19 spreading, that the church building is actually going to be closed until um, at least the end of April. Um, so we're going to be going to all of Holy Week and the following weeks in April through our Facebook Live. We have got some other people who are just sending me some great information about how we can get some music on here as well. So I'm going to be looking into doing that as well so that we can have at least um you won't have to listen to me sing but we can all kind of turn the microphone off and sing together um during um some of the, some of the church services that we're able to do um but we're gonna start today um and anita and a couple other people have sent me a couple of messages in regards to the scriptures that we're going to look at today because the scriptures today really have a lot to do with um the covid 19 and the way that we perceive what is going on in this world and I think it's really important for us as Christians to be able to present hope. Not only to present hope, but to avoid pointing fingers and blaming. Because usually when we point fingers and blame, we're doing it to somebody else. We're not usually looking at ourselves and saying, look what I've done. It's usually us saying, look at those people over there. They have brought this upon us and everybody else. So on social media the last couple of weeks... I've seen um, a scripture come up over and over again, and I'm a, I like context. Context is really important as we pour over the scriptures and we read them. Because when we remove context from the scriptures, we can almost make it say whatever we want it to say. And people have done that throughout history, have, have used scriptures and removed them from their context to say whatever they want to say. If we think about even churches during segregation and during slavery, they, they use scriptures, a lot of some Old Testament scriptures to um, endorse owning of other humans and to endorse the putting down of other races and saying that they are less than human. 
And um, we look at that now, and we kind of scratch our heads and we think, how was that even possible? How do they come to these conclusions? But when we start taking the scriptures out of context and we really uh, try and push them into the into our own context, we can make it say whatever we want that gives us power and that gives us control. And it's a very dangerous path to go down. So I'm going to start by reading the scripture that I think many of you have seen. It comes from Second Chronicles um, chapter 13. I'm sorry, chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. And if you see me looking over to my right, because that's where my other screen is, where I'm trying to read things on. So it says this, and I, I believe many of you have seen these on your Facebook walls over the last couple of weeks. And it says, When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sins and heal their land. And when we look at this scripture, we can like think, oh, if we can do these things, then God is going to heal the land. And when we superimpose this scripture on any trouble that we're having or on any um, pandemic, we like right now, the way that people are using this verse is the following, that they're saying, if we can find some sin that we collectively have all done, and that if we can collectively all turn back to God and repent, then suddenly COVID-19 will no longer be around. And it's just that simple. Now, one of the interesting things that I have found throughout my spiritual journey and my journey and my faith is that... Um, you have two kind of camps of two people. You have the camp where faith and science can not really exist together. And then you have the camp of people where faith and science can coexist in harmony because of the understanding of how to read the scriptures. When we start reading the scriptures 100% literally, instead of as literature as well, we find that it conflicts with science. We take a look at the narrative of creation. Narrative of creation can conflict with science. And we look at this right here and we're thinking, if we can only collectively as a nation and as a globe, and if we have a mass revival of people, then all of a sudden this is going to stop. Because that's if you, as you read the scripture at face value and superimpose it onto what we are um, in, in today, that's what it kind of says. It says, and the... Um, or command the locusts to devour the land or send a plague. And people are saying, well, the plague, that's COVID-19. That's the coronavirus that God is sending on us so that we can all turn back and become good Christians. And once we all do that, it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I, being God, will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. And now the dangerous, re the dangerous um, thing in looking at this scripture this way is that we kind of can fall into this camp of looking at other people to find out why they don't align with the way that we view the scriptures or we view the world and try and convert them to make, it, to make them look like our form of Christianity. And if they don't, then they're the ones that are making sure that the pandemic still goes. And we become a people who are looking at others 
and blaming other people's actions or other people's beliefs for the reason that things like this go on. So there are very dangerous thoughts that come through as you read the scripture um, into this context of God who mass punishes people for the doing of others. Really, this is a real ancient and dualistic pagan view of, of gods and deities. When we look throughout the Old Testament, we have this conflict of Yahweh versus the other gods. And how um, when we looked at the story of Elijah um, on su last Sunday, we, we, we find out that, um, that you had the prophets of Baal and Asherah. And you had this polytheistic view of the world that we really don't tend to hold too much right now. I would say a lot of them, we have monotheistic religions. Um, you got Hinduism that is, that is more polytheistic. Um, yeah, in, in, this, in the context of the ancient times, you, the, the, the way the world was viewed was that if you wanted something, you had to give the right offerings to the correct gods. So in the context of Elijah, they were, um, the people of Israel kept making sacrifices to Baal because they wanted rain. Each god had some form of control over certain aspects of creation. And the reason I bring this up is because we really kind of look at um, the world in that dualistic way sometimes when we find out um, that we don't really know why things are happening. There is no silver lining. Um, as we look at um, what's going on in the world right now with COVID-19, um, I'm trying my hardest not to find a quote-unquote silver lining. Um, I read a really, really great article by N.T. Wright, which I post on our church Facebook page, that was basically saying that the church's role in a time like this isn't to give answers. It isn't to say this is the reason why, but it is to embrace the, the laments. You take a look at the look at the book of Lamentations, and it's a book that is just lamenting what is going on in the world. And that is where we as Christians need to start off with. We don't need to start off looking at the scripture. We're going to look at why this is written in Second Chronicles, but we can't look at this at creation and say, well, this is the reason why, and if we do the right things, then all of a sudden God will miraculously fix things. So let's look at the context. The context of Second Chronicles is right after Solomon had built the temple. Solomon had built the temple because his father, David, was not allowed to. God said that David had too much blood on his hands and therefore was unable to build the temple. And his son Solomon would be allowed to build it. So as he's building this temple, he comes to the end of it in Second Chronicles 5, 6, and 7. And he gets ready to give this great dedication to the temple. And as he's dedicating the temple, like good monotheistic people do, he says a prayer. So in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, um, Solomon prays this. So this is preceding what happens in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, which we started off with. So this is coming from chapter 6. This will aid us in the context of what God has said to Solomon. So Solomon prays this. When heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you, Solomon falls into this view still of the de of deities that if we do wrong things, then wrong then bad things happen to us. He still falls into that um, view of the world that when we do wrong, that all of a sudden God is going to take things away from us. 
or the gods will stop them. So if you don't appease the god of Baal, then therefore you will not have rain. So when heaven is shut up and there is no rain because your people have sinned against you, if they pray towards this place being the temple now, if they're praying towards the temple and acknowledge your name being Yahweh's name and turn from their sin, when you afflict them, they hear, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servant, your people Israel. When you teach them the good way in which they should walk, the grand rain uh, and grant rain upon your land, which you have given to your people as an inheritance. If there is famine in the land, if there is pestilence or blight or mildew or locust or caterpillar, if their enemies besiege them in the land of in sorry in the land at their gates, whatever plague, whatever sickness is there, whatever prayer, whatever plea is made by any people or by all of your people Israel, each knowing his affliction and his sorrow and stretching his hand out towards his house and hear from heaven your dwelling place and forgive and render to each whose heart you know according to all of his ways. You only know the hearts of the children of mankind that they may fear you and walk in your ways all the days that they live in the land that you gave our forefathers. I remember back in English class, and I, I do see we do have a couple of English teachers um, joining us today, so i got to get my five W's right. The five W's of who, what, where, why, and when. I'm thinking when, right? I'm Yes, please. It is who, what, where, when, and why. So first of all, we have Solomon praying to God. So God and Solomon are having this conversation. What is he talking about? He is dedicating this temple, this place that God now can reside in the presence of his people. Because beforehand, he always resided in the tabernacle. And before that, he resided in the... Um, he resided in the tabernacle uh, in the tabernacle as they were in the desert. So we continually find that God has his place of residence inside of Israel. And now he has his this temple. Where are they? They are in Israel, which is an arid land to start off with, which not many good things grow. I mean, you can get some olives, and we all know how I feel about olives. Grapes, we know what we can make with grapes. Um, but it's not like you can't grow a whole bunch of corn or things. It's like an arid land. Um, why? Why is this happening? Because the people of Israel are so glad that they now have a place of worship. And um, when, this is about uh, 958 BC, before Christ. And we have that the culmination of things is this prayer goes out and Solomon is praying, God, when these bad things happen in our land, we're going to turn to you. And if you hear us, will you please open the floodgates of the rain? May you please hold the, the diseases off? Again, having that, that um, pagan view of the way that gods control and interact with the world. So why did we read that first from um, 2 Chronicles chapter 6? It's because now when God responds to Solomon, he uses Solomon's words and Solomon's ideas of the way the world works. To teach him something. So he says, when I shut the heavens. So God is saying, well, I'm, okay. If that's the way you view the, the, the way that the world works. So when I shut the heavens. So there's no more rain. Or command locusts to devour the land. Or send plague among my people. And now he says, if my people turn back. Who are my people in this context? It's Israel. If my people turn back to me. Then I will bless them. 
it's going back to the one of my my other pet peeves is um Jeremiah 29 11 for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future which is one of those like great life verses or ones that you want to get tattooed on your back so that people know that God has great plans for you and overall does God have great plans for us if we follow his ways uh, it led Christ to the cross but that is the true way to live life is self-sacrificially so what that's the, the truth that we can pull from this is that we need to be humble. If we humble ourselves and we pray, God doesn't make COVID-19 disappear. He doesn't do that. It's not some miraculous thing that happens that we all of a sudden now can um, be healthy and get back to life as normal. But it's this realization that God is the one that we need to turn to in our time of distress. Because when we look at the history of Israel, they turn to idols and other gods over and over again because their view of God and their view of gods is still one that each God controls things individually. So when you view the world as God's controlling things individually, you kind of run into this, um, this problem when Christ takes on flesh and makes his home here on earth. And I tell you why we run into that problem when God, when Yahweh comes down to earth in the form of man, I want to read what the Apostle Paul says about, um, says about that. Because this is where I think we as Christians, we as people who claim to follow the way of Yahweh, that we need to act in, this time, in a time like this. It comes from the book of Philippians, which the Apostle Paul wrote more than likely from prison. It's more than likely a, um, an amalgamation of multiple different letters into one book. But this is Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, and it says this. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Having this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the very form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death, on the cross. Therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Christ Jesus is Lord, to the glory of, the of God the Father. Now when we view Christ in this magnificent way, in this way that um, he came as a servant to place the interest of everybody else before the interests before um, everybody else's interests, before the interests of his own. We need to be enacting a form of Christ-likeness in this time now. We shouldn't be looking at verses that try and point the fingers at what everybody else has done wrong. Because realistically, when we take a look at the Second Chronicles scripture we started off with, and we take it out of the context, 
of um, Solomon and God having this prayer conversation and God really attributing, saying, okay, I'm going to speak to you, Solomon, at your level of understanding of who I am. Then what we find is we find people who will say, well, because the church endorses X, Y, and Z, because the church allows this, because Christians are not like these other Christians, that is why God is this monster God who is now punishing the globe the globe, let's think of it this way. Let's not continue to look at this as only happening in America, but this is something that's happening globally. That God would punish the world globally, innocent children, because a couple of people don't line up theologically together. And then you have the picture of Christ. And the picture of Christ kind of makes that perspective of God that we can kind of pull out of the Old Testament sometimes and conflict with it. Now, some people see it as a conflict. Um, one of the things that I am learning to do over time is have this understanding of who, what, when, where, and why, the context of what the original scriptures were written in. The original scriptures in those Old Testament, what were they doing? The narrative of creation in Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3 is God telling, the, telling humanity that you are greater than you, than you think you are. You are created for more than war. You are created to love and you are created to work and co-labor with Yahweh in creation. And if we take that picture and the picture of the conflicts that continually happen throughout the Old Testament and the, into the writings of the New Testament and even into today, that God is continually trying to co-labor with us in creation to make all things new then we read the scriptures through a different lens we read the scriptures through this lens of humanity and god trying to reconnect trying to live in harmony and ultimately man failing in it epically over and over again to the point where god has to come and make flesh become flesh and live here on earth to show humanity what it truly looks like to tend to creation what it truly looks like to tend to one another. So Paul is showing that if we are to have the mind of Christ, if we are to have the mind of Christ, we should do nothing else out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but we should count others more important than ourselves. Um, George Russo po posted a video earlier today. He was playing, he's been doing a guitar song each day and posting it on his Facebook page. And he was commenting on how the greed is really overflowing with the hoarding of things. Like, there's no toilet paper. I mean, that seems ridiculous, right? But there are people who are hoarding toilet paper because they are centered on themselves. And while in a time like this, it is very easy for us to be focused on self, we are called to step outside of ourselves and we are called to embrace the mind of Christ. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, Paul's really, uh, if you think about these things that Paul's talking about, they're kind of the opposite of what the, um, what the pandemic is creating right now. I've turned the news off for today. I have not watched much news at all because I find that I get into that panic mode. I might turn into one of those hoarders of toilet paper or, or whatever else is scarce at the moment. But Paul writes this, that if there's any encouragement, and remember Paul's in prison right now. If there's any encouragement that's found in Christ, there's any comfort from the love of Christ, if there's any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy. 
make Paul say, make me feel the wealth of pride and joy in all of you that you behave like this, that according to each other, the, according to Christ, be like one mind. Be of one mind and don't be selfish. And be humble. Let each other um let each other each of you look not only to his own interests but to the interests of others. That is what we should globally do. I'm not saying that when we globally do this, that we now superimpose first, second chronicles onto it again, and all of a sudden God's gonna come and heal the land. But what I'm saying is this that as we as Christians as we who might not even embrace the term Christian, but we follow the teachings of Jesus and Yahweh, that we as humanity, if we look out for the interests of other people, the panic is going to subside. That as we look out for each other, that we don't hoard for ourselves, but maybe we pick up an extra roll to give to our, our elderly neighbor, but as we look out for the interests of others, that the panic will subside. And this is really hard for us to do in a time like this because we're looking for reason. We're looking for the reason why things are happening. And sometimes the most powerful answer is I, I don't know. There is no underlying spiritual great war that might be happening to create COVID-19. What I'm saying is that as we look at the interests of other people, we begin to not worry about ourselves. We begin to look at the needs of others. And then we see that the plenty that we do have can be distributed to those who have less. And we think of um, a couple of stories that people have shared with me in Belding, like the school system really stepping up and looking out for the interests of the kids, giving out weeks worth of food for the last four weeks to those in Belding who need it, to their students that need it. That is the school looking out for the interests of others. And the school isn't a, a religious entity. It doesn't affiliate itself with any faith community, but it does express love. It expresses the love of what I would call the love of Christ, even though they might not view it that way. So what we need to do, we as a church collectively, we as individuals need to stop trying to find the silver lining of why things are happening. Because as we try and find the reason for why things are happening, we forget that we are in the moment. And when we forget that we are in the moment, we forget and do not see the opportunities where we are able to serve other people and show them and express to them the love of Christ. So as a church in Belding, as I would call all the churches in Belding and Michigan and globally, let's not continue to point fingers. Let's not continue to say that if we have some magical spiritual revival, that all of a sudden COVID-19 is going to disappear. I don't think the scriptures teach that. I don't think that's the way that God works. I don't think God works in some way like that, that if we do everything to appease him, that he no longer brings harm upon us. Because if we look throughout the New Testament, those who follow Christ are those who suffered. Jesus himself being crucified, the apostles being, uh, Stephen being stoned. We have multiple times and multiple stories of 
people following Christ to their deaths. Not the other way around, that they follow Christ and everything works out well for them. What we need to focus on in this moment, stop looking for silver linings, stop looking for people to blame or reasons why this is happening, and let us embrace the mind of Christ. Let us be like the embodiment of Yahweh in Jesus Christ, because that harkens back to the, to the mystery that happens in Genesis where God creates humanity out of the dust and breathes his spirit into them, making them a living soul. So you have the intersection of creation and the intersection of the divine that is found in humanity. That the divine spark in each of us is awakened to walk with Yahweh in this world. And in doing that, that we are humble and that we place other people's interests before ourselves, before our own. So in a time like this, we need to be self-reflecting on how we are placing the interests of others before ourselves. So let us pray this evening. Father, as we come before you, Lord, and as we uh, have gone over a little bit of the scriptures, Lord, may we remember to keep the scriptures in the context that we find them in. Father, may we be also be stu um, students of history to understand the cultures and the way that people think at that time. But Father, above all, today, Lord, we want to pray for um, those who are working inside of the health care system this evening. Those who are working inside the prison systems as well, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you'll protect them, that you'll keep them safe, Lord, but you'll give them wisdom as they interact with their patients and the inmates. Father, we ask um, that you'll continue to give them courage and that we would be ever mindful, not only to keep them in our prayers, but also, Lord, to show our admiration for what they do as they continue to walk into the hot spots where this COVID-19 is. Father, we ask that we as individuals, that we may find encouragement in being of one mind, in the humility of being able to put the interests of others, other people before ourselves. May you continue to lead and guide us, and may you be showing us, Lord, how we can continue to co-labor with you in this world. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. So we're going to sign off um, right now. Um, this will be up on both YouTube and um, Anchor FM, probably later on this evening for people to listen to or share if they would like to. We're working on getting the lighting done a little bit better. But before we leave, just a reminder that we continue to do our Thursday meals to go. We've got this Thursday um, set up and ready to go. We've got a couple of people volunteer to help for next Thursday as well. But as long as we're able to... Um, have 10 or less people meet in the church. This is something that we believe that we should be continue to do. Um, we believe we should continue to do it because it's putting the interests of others sometimes before the interests of ourselves. It is placing the interest uh, of the needs of the community um, before sometimes the needs of ourselves, but it's a way that we can serve our community and show them the love of Christ. So stay healthy, stay well, wash your hands for 20 seconds or more. Um, with hot, hot water and some soap. Remember to cough into your elbows, maintain distance, and above all else, let's all stay home so that we can um, get back together um, soon. And let us remember to keep um, scriptures in context as we um, continue to study his word throughout this coming week. We will talk to you later. Blessings.